1: hey what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast as always my name is steven and i am your host joining me today is a very special guest mr brad spielberger aka pff brad uh who is a salary cap analyst for pro football focus and of course a contributor contributor excuse me for over the cap brad thanks for taking the time to join me today how are you doing yeah of course thanks for having me i'm uh, doing well how about yourself i'm doing great really excited about this of course free agency is all about you know optimism and hope and everything and and, you know it's a good great time to be uh, a Chargers fan with all the cap space and so uh, we're going to dive into a lot of these free agency upcoming free agents and some potential contracts and things like that. Um, I want to get started just uh, with your general thoughts you know there was a lot of uh, commotion on Chargers Twitter because there was a fan cited article that said that the Chargers were not going to be particularly aggressive in free agency in terms of adding external free agents because they have a lot of their own free agents to take care of. What's your perception of what you kind of expect the Chargers to do in terms of adding free agency and adding free agents, excuse me, uh, in the next couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, you know, they're never one of the more aggressive clubs when it comes to free agency on external players, but we've seen them pick their spots and make moves, obviously addressing the offensive line with Lindsley and Balaga and trying to, you know, add some support. For Justin Herbert and I think look they're in a healthy situation they have their edge rusher is signed for long term their top wide receiver Keenan Allen obviously we'll talk about Mike Williams but yeah. I think they should pick their spots and maybe explore some upgrades at certain spots in free agency just because they're in a good position
1: yeah absolutely and and you know you mentioned Brian Bulaga, of course a likely cut candidate potential retirement we'll kind of see how that lands uh which should help there so uh, you mentioned Mike Williams. That's kind of the big one. Of course, there is uh, 10 days as of recording this for the deadline for franchise tagging. Where do you land on uh, tagging Mike Williams versus letting him explore free agency versus he's absolutely a must-resign and, and long-term contract candidate?
2: You know, he's in an interesting spot, I think, because of the way the wide receiver market has played out to where Chris Godwin with the injury, Michael Gallup, Odo Beckham Jr., um, all with significant injuries that realistically may impact their ability to play week one. Um, maybe not Godwin; his was a bit, bit you know, longer ago. But it, it naturally is going to bump Mike Williams up the board and and could boost his value on the open market. And yes, he's a different player than really a, all these guys. You know, right. a true kind of jump ball outside wide receiver, field stretcher type guy. Um, but nevertheless, I mean that, you know, we've seen in free agencies where it only takes one team kind of, you know, uh, you know, overspending and, and going for a big deal and he might get that and he, he's earned it and he deserves a, a solid contract. So for that reason, I think the franchise tag probably is in play. You know, they obviously let him play out on the fifth year option. They're not afraid of letting him play on these one year deals and, and seeing how things shake out. So I'm sure it's on the table. I'm not going to say I expect it. Um, And I think they should try to find a way to negotiate a multi-year deal. But if they can't come to an agreement, I probably would franchise tag him if I were the Chargers.
1: Yeah, I think the three of us here on our show, and I think Arjun kind of is uh, in agreement too, that the franchise tag makes a lot of sense. I think the way that you heard them talk about him last offseason, I mean, Joe Lombardi threw out a Michael Thomas comparison in terms of a role that they envisioned for him. And I I just personally have a hard time believing that You know, last offseason, it's all about supporting Justin Herbert and being able to maximize him and protect him and give him weapons. And then this offseason would be okay, our wide receiver, too. You can go ahead and go somewhere else.
2: Right. And, and I think Josh Palmer was a great draft pick. And I, you know, I was high on him coming out of Tennessee, but, you know, did get better as the year went on and had more usage, but still a young kind of raw player. Jared Cook as a receiving option, obviously solid, but, you know, a 35 year old tight end. And, and yes, they have Donald Parham coming off, you know, his injury and, and all those things. But, yeah. I, not a ton of depth there to, get, yeah, like you said, like if you're trying to support Justin Herbert, having a, a Mike Williams helps a lot. Um, and it would be kind of weird to not keep him around coming off, you know, the best season of his career.
1: Yeah, absolutely on the same page there. So I want to pivot uh, really quickly and talk about this edge rusher, pass rusher market because I think it's really interesting uh, due to the fact that kind of the higher end guys on, on your list, um, you know, are older, right? You know, there's Von Miller, there's Chandler Jones, Jadavian Clowney. And so what do you kind of make of that, Mark? And I know in your list, you have the Chargers listed as a potential spot for Von Miller. And so what do you what do you make of the way that this edge rusher market, you know, kind of works itself out uh, in terms of those top tier older veteran players?
2: Yeah, you know, it is interesting that there's really not a lot of younger guys that are hitting the market. I mean, maybe an Emmanuel Ogba, um, but, but if you look at, you know, Brandon Staley wanting to run this three, four, and I know that's kind of a hybrid and obviously Bosa is considered kind of your, your traditional four, three defensive end. But nevertheless, if they wanted to stick with what they're doing in particular, that's probably why Von is listed as, you know, your true outside linebacker type player in that Vic Fangio defense, obviously um, it's an interesting class, you know, I think funnily enough, um, you know, Melvin Ingram is a decent option in the yeah. market as well. It's, it's kind of, I don't think it's one where you do want to make a splash and spend that big deal on an Agba, on a guy like Charles Harris out in Detroit. Like I think the better values probably are some of these one and two year flyers for these veteran players, and and maybe another player comes along. Um, you know, obviously and Wosu internally is an option as well. But as far as the external guys, it, it's not a it's not a you know a great list of players.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, me personally, the way I'm kind of looking at it is that, you know, in terms of getting like a true high upside number two, you probably find that in the draft this year. But, you know, I'm in favor of of re-signing Uchenna and Wosu. I think he, he is a, you know, relatively quality starter, right? I don't think he's necessarily high end number two. But, I mean, there's this belief, right, that a lot of uh, quality outside pass rushers don't hit their stride until they're 26, 27, 28. And is only 25 and he's played a lot of good ball for them, never really been a true starter until this year. And so he's kind of in line there too with you know a, a lot of secondary young pass rushers who might not necessarily be stars. But how do you see that secondary market, including Umosa, kind of working itself out this year?
2: Yeah, no, and I think it's a great point, especially when you're obviously spending, you know, $27 million a year on Joey yeah. Bosa. You have to get creative and, and you can't just not spend on any other defensive lineman. But if there is a guy that fits in your system that is a good player, that you've kind of you know a homegrown guy, and maybe you could sign him for a deal that kind of in theory looks like a third edge rusher deal. Obviously, you might be starting for, for now, but you yeah. know, an eight to ten million per year deal. We've seen you know rotational edge rushers sign deals like that. Um, you know, Carl Nassib's an example, like there's a couple guys like that where you know, still a good payday because hey, they're edge rushers, but they're coming yeah. in, in in sub packages or they have a specific role and they play, you know, 400, 500 snaps a, a year and that's fine. Um, and so I pro- I'm with you. I think I would explore that. And I think it's, it's kind of a deep and not, not great edge class, but there, there are a handful of really good edge players in, in this class. And, and I think guys that probably would fit in, in Los Angeles as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Something to, to keep an eye on there. I know and uh, Wosa was really heavily involved in, the Super Bowl promotions for the Chargers, and so it just kind of just kind of feels like he's going to be back in you know some capacity. I, I can't imagine the franchise tag is in play there. No, I don't. Th- I wouldn't think so. No. Okay. Um. So obviously, if you listen to people talk about the needs of the Chargers, everybody kind of talks about the run defense. Um. And this interior defensive line class, I think, is has some really intriguing candidates. Um. You know, you guys have listed Sebastian Joseph Day as a possibility for the Chargers. And I think Akeem Hicks is kind of the obvious one there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that particular group?
2: Yeah, there, there probably could be a bunch of reunions with Brandon Staley. I mean, even if we, if you want to look at nose tackles, I I do think Eddie Goldman is probably a cut candidate for the Chicago Bears okay. as well. So another former, you know, Brandon Staley guy. But, I mean, I think Akeem Hicks sticks out. I, I mean, he is a very good run defender that can also – has pass rush upside at, at that three technique spot. And, and I think could be a disruptive player that you guys need on the interior. You know, that frankly the team needs a difference maker on the interior. And then if you want to look, yeah, guys like Sebastian Joseph day, guys like Foley fat of Casey, like guys that are solid, you know, early down players, but still again, have a little bit of that upside and, and can impact the quarterback here and there. Um, I do. I think that is, that is the most glaring weakness that I see when I look at the team. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, There's not a lot of great players there in free agency, but there is kind of a long list of like average solid starters. Um, And again, with Bosa, you don't need to break the bank and go crazy and and find an Aaron Donald, but finding a good solid starter along the interior can go a long way.
1: Yeah, I look at, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, trying to figure out what they can learn from the Super Bowl. And I look at kind of the Bengals path and just getting a bunch of solid players. I think that's really the biggest difference in in ter- at least in terms of the defense right because we you have bosa and then there was such a big drop off between him and the rest of the other guys you know nate tice would always say bosa and the bo sets which i thought was was very fitting there and, and it really is true like i, I think you just kind of look at it and need solid serviceable players reliable players who are not going to completely tank your unit so to speak
2: no, hundred um, percent. And unfortunately that's kind of what they were working with, you know, the last couple of years, but yeah, you don't, you don't need to go crazy there, especially with, you know, a defense that is predicated on kind of back to front and it's all about the secondary and they want to invest resources in that secondary. So that's fine. If you think that your coverage can help your pass rush and, and can kind of hold up longer because of how you play and your two high sets and all that, then that's fine. And just as long as you have some solid players up front, but you know, because also it's hard to bring along draft picks right away. You probably yeah. should, yeah, make some moves and and add a couple pieces.
1: But again, you know, not not really breaking the bank by any means. For sure. And I think one of the more interesting cases for the Chargers this year is Kaiser White. Um, I think he was in the 80s or 90s for you guys, if I'm not mistaken. Linebacker um, is a really interesting group to me. Um, you know, the Kaiser white one specifically because you know, this, the linebacker is not necessarily super valuable as you're saying in, in this kind of defense, what do you make of, uh, Kaiser white's chances on the open market? Do you see him being resigned or do you see him signing somewhere else?
2: Yeah, no, it's not a super, you know, important position, but I do think because he can cover, um, uh, you know, because he can move in space and, and, and has value there that you, you have value in a Brandon Staley defense, right? I mean, He's kind of blurring the lines between safeties and linebackers, and and, and that's kind of the whole genesis of it. Is yeah. you again, you start with coverage, and you kind of figure out the rest from there. And and obviously that does lead to some issues, and and there are things they want to clean up and get better at um, as a result of that. But I think he's a fit. I, I really do. And, and and again, I don't think there's a lot of options at linebacker. It's a pretty strong. Again, there's no like splash player like a CJ Mosley a couple of years ago, but okay. there are a lot of starting caliber off ball linebackers in this class. Um, and I think for that reason, they probably could come to terms and and bring Kaiser White back, and and probably should. I mean, I mean, I think um, Kenneth Murray is a good player. He's coming along. Obviously, he's had injuries and whatnot, but you still want to have someone opposite him. Um, you know, as, as he's growing and getting better, because you know, it, it, you're not again, you're not going to have to go crazy and I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But <laughs> I, I don't envision Kaiser White being some you know crazy deal either. But he's a solid defensive player. Um, and, and then if for all we know, he could be a better player as well with some better interior defenders in front of him, kind of cleaning up the mess and and yeah. taking on blocks and stuff like that, because that's not really his MO. Um, but it, if, there, if that's happening in front of him, he can just, you know, have range and make plays.
1: Yeah, I know that that one is, is definitely one I'm keeping my eye on personally, because it was, you know, his season was honestly like the best linebacker season we've had in a really long time. And so like seeing him walk would be uh, that would not be very fun for me. But uh, I want to get to this safety market and, and a couple of questions here. Uh, and we obviously have to start with Derwin James when talking about the safeties, because he is up for an extension coming off of a pro bowl season. I think he probably should have been one of the all, all pro safeties, but um, what do you, th- what do you guys project in terms of an extension for Derwin James? Obviously I, I think Jamal Adams is 17.5 per year. So where are you at with a potential Derwin James extension?
2: You know, with Derwin James, it's a situation where, not to, not to dodge the question, but that the health is everything. And so if I wanted to give you some confident number, you know, that's kind of foolhardy because it all comes down to those knees, and that's something that I cannot know. So, um, yeah. look, he's a phenomenal player. He is one of, if not the best safeties in the NFL when he's on the field. Um, and I think we have seen more and more value put on guys that can come down in the box like a Jamal Adams that can make plays, not only as coverage defenders, but also can – you know, impact plays down in the box. And he's, you know, he obviously can do all of those things at an extremely high level. So again, if the question, you know, if he was healthy, my answer would be he's going to top the market. I mean, that, that would be an easy answer was he's going to, you know, he's a first round player, all these things, you know, elite yeah. player has accolades, all these things. Um, you know, I would expect him to to come close to, if not topping Jamal Adams at four years, 70, like you mentioned. With the injuries, you know, it's a question of, if they try to bring him a deal that's a slight discount, does he say, I am that top, top of market player and I'm not going to sign anything but? And they say, okay, well, look, we'll let you play out your contract. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, and, and I think it's it's an interesting back and forth because it's very hard to get a third deal in the NFL as a safety. Um, you know, And it's tough to get a second deal for a lot of these guys as well. It, it is not a position the league really values. And I think it's because... There's a lot of turnover, and it's hard to maintain high-level play at 50 for a long time, but there's also not a lot of guys built like a Derwin James. <laughs> so maybe they can find it kind of a middle ground, you know, 4 years, 60, something like that, that really is a discount, but is also protecting them for the, you know, the downside risk of, of more injuries.
1: Yeah, I think maybe that could be, uh, you know, you look at uh, the Keenan Allen contract, for example. Of course, you know, he wasn't necessarily – as productive as derwin james when he signed his extension you know the previous extension not this past one that made him you know the the third highest paid receiver but you know when they extended him i think in 2015 he was just coming off the one healthy season had the previous injuries and it was relative you know it was a relative discount it's still a good contract for him so i think maybe that could be something there but you know you guys you mentioned the safeties i think this is a really interesting free agency class um really someone that wasn't necessarily on my radar until the charters went out and hired Ryan Ficken as their special teams coordinator. Uh, J Ron curse uh, is really something, somebody that has come onto my radar now because of the connection there Uh curse, of course, obviously uh, breaking out this past season for the Cowboys. Um, What kind of contract do you think we see these secondary market or secondary safeties like Jaron Ron curse be, be getting in free agency this year?
2: Yeah, he's a great player. I, I thought he's been a, a great player going back to his Minnesota days, and and just never really had a huge role, but um, finally did last year. Played like 1,100 snaps in Dallas, even though they added Demonte Kazee and Keanu Neal and all these guys at safety. Yeah. Lee Cooker was in the fold, and yeah, and he just he was the best guy there, and, and and can do a lot. Um, we had him at three years, fifteen million. Um, you know, he, he's an undrafted guy. He, he's like I said, he really has one season of starting. Um, but but he's a really talented player. I, I think it could. I wouldn't be surprised if he got you know three years, twenty one, or even more than that. Um, because safety again is is really tough right now. It is a yeah. tough market to project. Both the middle market and the top of the market haven't really had the growth we've seen. They it used to kind of grow in tandem with linebacker. Um, and we've now seen off ball linebacker just take off. And obviously you know Fred Warner and Darius Leonard at the top, but right. also. A lot of these middle tier guys getting solid deals as well, like your Corey Littleton's guys, like that, and and we're just not seeing that at safety. So I think he'd be a great target. I I think he's a jackknife, a player that Brandon Staley would love to work with. Um, And and frankly, is kind of like a Kaiser White, like the guy. He could be a linebacker, he could be a safety, he could be whatever. Um, But yeah, so we have met three years, fifteen, and I think it's probably a decent projection, but um, definitely an interesting player wherever he signs. Um, It's going to come down to the defensive coach how they deploy him and i think staley would be a good a good candidate to do that
1: yeah you know i think i would be really in favor of that situation scenario i think a lot of us on on social media are really kind of uh you know cautiously optimistic about tyron matthew maybe i don't know um what do you think there because i think you guys have compared the the contract situation to harrison smith i think harrison smith probably is is looking at being overpaid right now like you said it's so hard to be an elite safety for so long. And, and, you know, I'm hearing that he's a potential cut candidate, you know, reading sports, illustrating things like that, which I kind of would be surprised, but um, what do you make of uh, the honey badger situation?
2: Yeah. So just real quick to the Harrison Smith contract. I mean, one of the best negotiated contracts for the player in the last several years. Yeah. And so when that came down, I think a lot of, Clubs across the league were scratching their head, just like, you know, thank you so much, Minnesota, for making <laughs> making our job so much more difficult. I mean, the guy's 32 years old. He is an elite player. Honestly, he does not get enough credit, frankly, for how good he is. But and, and I'll tell you, I, I don't, he's not a cut candidate. That is no okay. <laughs> um, but you know, like it, it complicates matters, right? Because Tyron Matthew is a similar type of player. You know, he can rush the passer, he, he can cover tight ends, he's kind of smaller than Harrison Smith, but again, a guy that can disguise his coverage can really an offense has to account for his presence on the field pretty much every snap and that's that's kind of Harrison Smith as well um and so I don't see if you're Tyron Matthew coming off a 3-year deal for about 14 million per year you see him get 4 years 64 16 per and he's 3 years older than you even if you you know agree okay Mike he's 10% better than me still look I'm a year later I'm younger I'm a good player. I'm a leader, just like he is. You know, obviously gets a lot of credit for leading the Chiefs. So, you know, we have met 16 million or a little maybe a hair over that per year. He might not get that. It might be way off, frankly, but I don't see why if you're his agent, you wouldn't build that case and have a strong argument for it. So interesting case. I'd be surprised if he gets, you know, like 40 million over three for about 13.33 million per year. I, I think is a floor, um, but again, I'm not trying to just you know. Safety's tough, man. It's it's a weird spot the last couple off seasons. It really
1: is. And I, I, I any chance he gets franchise do You think, or is that kind of uh, reserved for Orlando Brown?
2: So, be, a, it's reserved for Orlando Brown, but okay. b, because they they didn't rework his deal, so his cap it is massive this past season. It's like sixteen, seventeen million. Therefore, mm-hmm. his his franchise tag would not be the league wide number. It would be his own number. And it would be, I think, over
1: $20 million. So he, he's not a tag candidate. Yeah. Okay, because that, that's another one I see quite a lot. And, um, you know, if they're able to work out a contract extension for Orlando, a lot of people kind of assume that Tyron would be that next guy. But obviously, it doesn't sound like that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, last group for me that I'm really interested in, in is the cornerback group. A lot of Chargers fans have their eyes on J.C. Jackson, obviously kind of the, the top of the – Top of the market, there you know, he said some things this week that you know he doesn't really feel wanted in New England. Um, what do you make of JC's situation potentially being tagged, getting a contract extension there, or whatever the case may be? I think he
2: probably is a franchise tag candidate. Um, you know, the thing with him is he's definitely a good player, he's not only has the ability to be a very good number one man cover outside corner, which. You know, there were some questions when Stephon Gilmore was the top dog is, you know, can J.C. Jackson do that? I think he answered that question. Yes. Uh, The Patriots also played a lot more zone this past year than I think folks realize, like kind of got into a lot of cover one, cover three, like a lot of different looks that that. And again, Jackson played well in. But the thing with him is when you're already a good player and then you have the ball production of what, 17 interceptions over two seasons, like your value is at an absolute peak of the highest order. And the New England Patriots understand that. And they recognize look, you're an undrafted free agent. So, you know, this past year on your restricted free agent tender, you just doubled your career earnings, making, you know, $4 million. You've probably made seven or eight your entire career. Like the value is just so high that, that it's probably yeah. most realistic he gets franchise tagged. Um, and they try to come to a multi year extension, but. I don't see him getting these huge numbers. You know, like I think he put on Instagram or something like a hundred million and kind of wants that Jalen Ramsey deal. I I can tell you this. I have his projection at 18 million per year. Patriots fans are saying, this is way too low. I'll tell you this. Most people I talk with say I'm probably too high on where his deal is. Um, You know, he, he transferred colleges. He went undrafted. I I think for a reason. Um, And I think there's some other things going on there that, that maybe we don't know about. Um, But He's an interesting player, elite, elite talent, very productive, great ball skills, can cover. Um, But I, I would be surprised if he leaves New England. I think he'll probably get franchise tagged.
1: Okay. Yeah, because that's, you know, when he said that, of course, Chargers Twitter is like, oh, my gosh, bring him in, bring him in. So I think that's uh definitely someone to keep an eye on. The other guy I think uh is an interesting target. Obviously, everybody kind of connects the dots between the Rams is, is Darius Williams for – um potentially you know uh being a reinforcement if you will in the secondary um any chance the Rams are able to bring him back because I know that they want to give Aaron Donald a raise they want to resign Von Miller they want to bring back Odell where do you think uh Darius Williams is, is kind of looking at in terms of the market this year
2: yeah, that's a very interesting one because, you know, I think he might be that odd man out or if they try to bring everyone back, maybe he becomes less of a priority. You know, we talked about Sebastian Joseph Day as well and, and all these guys. Um, but, you know, I think also because the injury and also just again, he's I mean, he's undrafted. He also was a five foot nine. like, And, and he had, yeah. look, he's played above his size and he can play up in the air. He can do everything you ask of him. But, you know, protected by that zone, probably. Um, again, which which I think would translate well to the Chargers. I think you have Michael Davis as your kind of bigger body guy that can go up against maybe your ex receivers. But I think he'd be a phenomenal number two, and and I think you know I'm sure a reunion with Staley would be great for him. I have him kind of in the 10 to 13 million per year range, kind of a solid number two corner. And we saw like two off seasons ago, or no, last you know Ronald Darby was 10 million per year, Shaq Griffin was about 13, you know that that type of range where it's a you're a number two corner maybe a number one if the team doesn't have good corners but yeah. realistically the market for him would be a solid number two corner the Rams could get it done but yeah I, I think it's maybe less likely than it was you know before the season began
1: yeah absolutely I, I think I'm, I'm on the same page there at least I hope I am I think that's that's really interesting when I think a lot of people have the Chargers pegged as obviously Jordan Davis is like the very common mock draft selection right but I feel like if it's not Jordan Davis, it's generally one of these corners, and so uh, you know, signing uh, Darius Williams, I think would kind of check that box away and be allow them to you know have some more flexibility uh, down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not that Samuel I thought had a good year, you know, come out of the gate, so it's not a pressing need. But I mean, right. it definitely could could stay. You can never have too many good coverage players. So
1: yeah, and that's another thing we learned from uh, from the Super Bowl and things like that. Got to have lots of corners these days. So. Uh, Brad, this has been great, man. What do you got? I know the combine is coming up, so, uh, where can our listeners find your work and what can they expect for, uh, the next couple of weeks?
2: Yeah. So heading to Indianapolis next week. So, uh, keep an eye out on um, my Twitter is at PFF underscore Brad, and I'll be, you know, pumping things out Any any news I hear or anything like that. Um, and you can find my work at PFF.com. We got a lot of cool free agency content coming your way and, and
1: anything to do with this off season, we'll, we'll be on top of it. Awesome. Really looking forward to it, Brad. Can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to join us and uh, Chargers fans, be sure to follow him. He is absolutely a must follow uh, during the free agency frenzy that is coming up. So uh, Brad, thank you again for taking the time to join us. Thank you, man.
0: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines.